So we have spent the month in Genesis, and uh, we'll begin following uh, this Sunday, next Sunday, to talk about uh, the hope that is found, that Rod finds, and that he trusts all of us will find in the book of Ephesians. And so here today is the kind of transitional Sunday as we reflect on what we've talked about, as we listen to one another to get a sense of what we're hearing and what we want to do next, um, and all of it kind of preparing us to step forward in hope. So many of you know that I was a shy, slightly nerdy kid growing up, and I loved books. I can tell you specific events and details surrounding uh, me discovering certain books as I was a kid. I had more book friends than real friends at one point in my life. But it wasn't that bad, you know, because uh, books are pretty amazing friends. They don't talk back, they don't let you down. They're very interesting, and they teach you things. They shape who you are. Uh, Danny Champion of the World by Roald Dahl, one of my favorite books, anyone? Yeah, so before I was a parent, I, I learned about parenting, haha, from Danny Champion of the World. Uh, I learned about using your imagination to overcome hardship uh, by reading The Little Princess by Frances Hodgson Burnett, still one of my favorite books. I learned about the possibility of being transformed from an ugly duckling to a bold woman by reading The Blue Castle by L.M. Montgomery. Books and stories can transform us. And I have been a Christian for um, close to 50 years, and one of the appeals of that faith, one of the reasons why I am still a Christian, is because the book of the Bible, this book, is so powerful. That the story in this book has such appeal and trustworthiness. In the midst of its complexity, in the midst of those places where I still scratch my head and go, I don't really know what I'm supposed to get out of this. There is still something about this book that informs and shapes my faith. And the importance of understanding this book well, the importance of understanding who the God is talked about in this book, the, the importance of living out the truth of this book has never been more urgent. And that's a part of what's behind this series in Genesis that we've just gone through. Because even though this book is complex and sometimes hard to understand, there's a theme. There's a theme that starts at the beginning and is played with variation, but still that same theme till the very end. From Genesis to Revelation, the same theme. The same theme about a faithful God, a loving God, a God who creates, a story about humanity who rebels, and a story about God who redeems, again and again. And we can understand that theme by learning more, by reading more, by, by asking help of the Holy Spirit, by talking to one another, by listening to really smart people like Ian Proven and Rick Faw, 
and by continuing to express our dependence on God and on the spirit that God gives to show us more of Jesus, and but to, be, uh, to express our dependence on one another in community. The way that we learn is not just from reading the book and is not just from listening to really smart people, but is also by listening to one another. And so that's what we're going to be doing today. Listening to a few people who represent um, different parts of our community, different generations even, to hear how they've heard the story. So just to give you a brief review before Thomas and Dave and Becca come to join us, here are the three things we've been talking about in the last month or so. The first idea, the main character of this story, God. And who is God? God is good. Or how is God? Who is God? How is God related to us in the world? God is good. In contrast to the depictions of other gods at the time that the book of Genesis was written, this God, the book of the Bible, is good. In contrast to some of the experiences in our world where we think that maybe God isn't good because of hard things that we go through, we can trust that God is good. Psalm 86 tells us, You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. The book of Genesis shows us a good God. And the supporting cast, God is the main character. The supporting cast is humanity. And what do we need to know about humanity? What's the most important thing we need to know about the human race? The book of Genesis tells us the human race was created in the image of God. In contrast to other narratives of the time that Genesis was written, other narratives that might say that humans were created as slaves of the gods, even as a food source for hungry gods. No, the God of this Bible, who is a good God, created humanity in God's image. Genesis 1.26 reminds us of this. Let us make mankind in our image, God says. And part of what it means to be created in God's image is that we respect and regard one another as being created in the image of God. That there's a certain dignity afforded to each one of us because all of us are created in God's image. And part of what it means for us to value the image of one another, God's image in one another, is that we are actually keepers of one another. God calls us to be people keepers. And we remember that even from the Genesis story right after this terrible thing that happens where two brothers fight and one brother ends up killing the other. Abel dies at the hands of his brother Cain and the Lord says to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, Cain replies. Am I my brother's keeper? And of course, the answer, intrinsically, we, we know instinctively, the answer is yes. Yes, we are our brother's keeper. So to be created in God's image is to respect one another and to regard the image of God in one another as holy and to be one another's keeper. So God is good. Humanity is created in God's image. And the last one, earth. 
every story has a setting. And the setting of the story in Genesis is God's creation, God's creation. The earth made by God. God calls it good. God calls all that he has made very good, in fact. And we are called to love what God loves. Genesis 1.31 tells us God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And the Lord God took the man, Genesis 2 tells us, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. That's part of our calling. Not only are we called to be people keepers, because we are all created in God's image, we're also created to be earth keepers, to take care of God's creation, to love what God loves. And I've just drilled down a little bit into each of those three ideas, but if we take each of those seriously, it has wide-ranging implications. And so part of what our Thursday nights have been about, our Thursday nights that we're calling Genesis So What, with Ian Proven and Rick Faw, is to try and drill down into the implications of those three ideas. What is it, why does it matter, so what, that we're made in God's image? So what that God is good? So what that God created the earth and that we're called to take care of it? What does that mean for us today? So we've been exploring each of those things on our Thursday nights, and we're going to be talking about that a little bit here today. What I hope for all of us, not just this month, but for our lives as Christians, is that we would be captured by the story not just the story in Genesis, but the story throughout this whole book that we would seek to be shaped and formed by this trustworthy book and the parts that puzzle us, the parts that we don't understand yet, that we would still be able to hold on to the God who is good, knowing that God helps us to understand his word. So part of us uh, wanting to be captured and formed by the story today is to talk about it. So Dave Zimmerman, can I invite you to come? Thomas Faw, can I invite you to come? Who's here despite a flat tire? Yay, Thomas and Becca, come on up, please. Let's welcome them, can we please, with applause. Let's, uh, let's, move, let's move your stools up, guys. Come on, right up front. You can grab that one, Thomas. I'll take the... Welcome, guys. So happy to have you guys here, and happy especially that we have um, some different generations represented here. Thomas is especially bold, I think, um, but um, I don't want to put too much pressure on you. Oh, look, you get special applies right after that. Uh, so I've given you guys three questions. Uh, I don't feel like you have to um, feel obligated to answer, like you, all three questions are not all for you to answer necessarily, but if you want to answer them all, you can. So I'll ask the question, and then you can just like put up your hand if you want to say something. All right. Um, just by way of a mixer, let's just like let's just do uh, a Janine style uh, check-in first of all, just to kind of get it going a little bit. If you could be any animal, what would you be, Thomas? I have no idea. Oh come on. Um, maybe like a dog. A dog. They got no problems. Dogs have no problems. They don't seem like they have. All no right. Problems. A dog. A turtle. A turtle. Because they, they chill out all day just cruising in the waves and they live a really long time. Also no problems. Yeah. Right. 
Dogs and turtles, actually. They okay, might. before I answer yeah. the question, yeah. uh, have you ever heard the saying that if you're playing poker and you don't know who the sucker is, it's you? When I saw who you had here, I thought, who's going to speak for the older generation? Uh, if I could be an animal, it would be a duck, because ducks can fly, and they can live on land, and they can go in the water. All right. All right, those are all excellent answers. See how easy that was, guys? This is going to be no problem, right? Um, so first question, how has this story, uh, the way that we tell it at CAP, or the way that we've told it these last few weeks, that God is good, that humans bear God's image, and that the earth is God's creation. How has this story shaped your life or given you purpose? Uh, how has it shaped my life? This is a, I mean, it's an interesting question because I, when you talk about the story and we talk about Genesis, I, it, for me, it translates very quickly into everything else. And so it's, um, I, don't, I, I have a hard time isolating Genesis from the rest. And in fact, I mean, when you, th you think about Christ, the Bible talking about Christ as the firstborn among creation, I, everything, everything always sort of hinges on him. And so when I, I have a hard time taking this story and thinking, oh, well, just creation and just this, just Genesis, it always springs back into everything else in my life. And for me, I think it's, um, I'm not going to say this in a, uh, this certainly hasn't happened perfectly, but I, don't, I can't think of an area of my life that this hasn't impacted. And that, because the story is greater than Genesis, but it involves Genesis. And so, um, I, I, yeah, I can't think of an area of my life that this hasn't impacted, not always impacted well. And often there's certainly parts of my life where the impact is, less daily, maybe. But for me, I think this whole story of Genesis is, uh, and, and creation and caring for those things, uh, but more importantly, the fact that we're created in God's image and that we are image bearers and that we carry Christ with us everywhere we go. Uh, I, I can't think of an area of my life that that hasn't had some sort of impact or some sort of influence on. Um, but like I said, it's, it's not always obvious and it doesn't happen. It's not always every moment. But I, I think there's, there's, you know, the tendrils of Genesis and tendrils of Christ and salvation and, uh, you know, weave its way through every, it's a fabric of, you know what I mean? Like I, I, can't, I can't sort of isolate that and say, oh, well, this is the impact or in just in this area or that specifically, so... Ditto. Um, God is good has allowed me since I was a little girl to not really fret over the big life things because I know that he's good and things will turn out the way that he has planned for me. Um, as a, we are made in the image of God, I would say that I've chosen a career as a people keeper. Um, my job as an emergency nurse means that I help usher people through some of the worst days of their lives. And then uh, being an earth keeper and recognizing that God's creation is 
excellent is one of the hobbies that I've chosen over the last couple of years, trying to make small changes in my life and the life of um, how we live as a family, uh, to be an earth keeper as best as I can, making small choices because that's what I feel I can do. Like picking up garbage? Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure about like the Genesis story itself. Um, for me, creation has always been like a huge part of my life because uh, there wasn't really an event where it, it changed how I lived it, because I've always been like, you know, going up to Keats in the summer and Whistler and Tofino and I'm, our family has done a lot of travel. Um, so I think, and Uncle Rick uh, the other night was saying how to love something you have to to know it and to know you have to experience. Um, and I think I'm someone who's fortunate enough to have gotten to experience that in most aspects of my life for a long time. And it's, I don't know, I, ju I just love it. It's so, it feels so good and it feels like God. Mm -hmm. Thank you all three. You can hang on to that, Thomas. Uh, next question. So in the last few weeks specifically, uh, have you heard anything, either if any of you have been to the Thursday nights or, or Sunday mornings, what have you heard that's either challenged you or inspired you, uh, or was there anything that you disagreed with? Because that would be interesting to hear as well. Um, so something that, it, what, I'm not sure if it really inspired me, but it's something that I, I like to, to hear. Um, was, I think it was in the first talk that Ian Proven gave, it, and then he repeated it a couple times after. Uh, it was something about how like, we can't look inside ourselves to find truth and who we are. Um, we, we, and we can't look to the world, and we can't look to other people. We have to look to God. And that, I think lots of people would find that sort of challenging um, or uncomfortable, um, but for me, it, I found it really sort of like calming or, or consoling, I don't know, because it, it means that the responsibility to find truth and what I'm supposed to do doesn't entirely rest on my shoulders. Mm -hmm. I don't have to figure all that out for myself. I just have to do the best with what I've got um, until I know better. And so, yeah, it, it feels, yeah, it feels really good. Not that, uh, yeah. That's a good. That's a good insight, Thomas. I didn't hear it that way, but that actually makes total sense to me. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> uh -huh. This was uh, a savage question, as I said to you. <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> I know. Um. I I did hear something that I disagreed with, and um, whether it's a lack of education, or perhaps it's it's too much education, or uh, a youthful naivete, I disagreed with something that Ian said towards the end of his sermon, um, and that fellow is brilliant and so I'm quite nervous actually telling you guys about how I disagreed with this because I feel like I don't have the right but um, Ian had talked about how 
we are made in God's image. And so for that, we are perfect and valued. And um, he did talk a, a fair amount about how the Roman Empire was this sort of seeding swamp of gross civilization and how Christians, as they entered in, they brought humanity up and out of this terrible situation that the Romans had us in. So they were the ones protecting the infants from infanticide and they were the ones speaking out against abortion and how since then the rise in society and quality of life can be attributed to Christians. I think that's what he was partially saying. Um, and one thing that he said was in these this next short term there's a real threat to Christianity. Um, and as we find ourselves, especially those with orthodox views, being unable to speak our views without being attacked or without having the space to do that safely, um, that, that that threat will lead to the gradual and inevitable, it sounded like he was saying, decline of society again. And that that will lead to people who are marginalized, people who are um, at risk, will become more at risk because there won't be things in, in place um, because of Christians to protect them. So I heard that and, and immediately thought, this is, it sounded like fear-mongering. This is why we have such controversy in our politics these days is because Christians have this fear that if we let go of our control, that it's all going to go to hell in a handbasket. Hmm. Um, and, you know, like, Christians have done a lot of great things, but there have also been a lot of terrible things done in the name of Christianity. There have been a lot of people on the margins who have not been cared for by Christians. There have been genocides and massacres in the name of Christianity. And so I think that Christians mandating our faith on other people is not necessarily helpful. Um, I think that people have a right to get their backs up about Christianity. Um, and, and if we try and force it on them, it's not going to go well for us. We're not going to be drawing people to the kingdom. And so in my mind, rather than us trying to hold on and, and push our views out into the world, and on to people, what if we just showed them through love how it is to be a Christian? And what if we let our actions and our kindness sway people? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We've got some good panels, uh, panelists here, you guys. Yeah, I, th I think, honestly, I think that I felt the same way about some of those things. I've had numbers of conversations with people about that same idea and and it's it's hard because um, as soon as we talk about these things that matter to God, that matter to Christ and as soon as we start thinking about what our responsibility is in those things, it runs very quickly into the political realm and the things that we think that government should do and that government should take care of and because of that, that's where I think the Right, I, I, I agree with, with, with so much of what you said, 
Um, but we often, I think we've often looked at uh, the political and government realm as a way to take care of those things. When Jesus didn't look at the government for those things, and though he often, but he did hold the government responsible for those things too, right? So it's, it's yeah, and, and so I'm not totally sure, because I think I felt a lot of that same, that same sort of like, ah, I'm just not sure about how I feel about that statement. Um, I think that, uh, as, as I think Ian would say, on the whole, uh, as, you know, when government reflects what Christ is about and who Christ is, people are taken care of. And when Christians fight for what Christ wants, people get taken care of. But those things quickly get used to justify inequalities and get used to justify withholding support from these people or those people because they're different, because they don't agree with what we stand for and some of those things. So it's, yeah, like, where does Christ fit into the political realm is one of the big questions that I had coming out of, out of those, those things. Um, but yeah, I, I was going to say something very similar to Beck on that. I think for, um, there's a, one of the statements that Ian said that is, is uh, I, I, I keep you know, rattling around in my brain is this idea that the traditional definition of liberal is somebody who fought for the liberties of people that they're different than themselves. And, and I like that idea, but I don't, I mean, the, the whole label liberal or conservative, uh, especially in today's day and age, are just so divisive and so polarizing. And, uh, and so, Peter and I were actually having a conversation on the way up about what a liberal is, you know, what, what was the traditional definition of liberal, because Peter knows those things and I don't always. Um, and so uh, the, the student has taught the master. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, and so, but it's like, it's not what we think it is. And so when we sort of want to label ourselves as liberal or conservative, it, it, it destroys and defeats the nuances of who Christ is and who Christ wants to be in our lives and what Christ calls us to do. And so I think, you know, yeah, I love that idea of, of that, that we can fight for the liberty and the freedom of people who are different than us and who believe different things than us and who uh, look at the world different from us. Uh, what that means is still rattling around in my brain a little bit and some of those things. Um, uh, but I, I kept going back to um, Psalm 139, this idea of where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Right? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my uh, bed in the depths, you are there. And it's like this idea that we, I keep, in creation, I keep coming back to Christ. In, in the world that we live in, I keep coming, I, I keep, you can't move very far without bumping into God. And, uh, um, and, and I guess that part that's my, my worldview, my paradigm, um, but that's one of the things that, that I kept uh, coming back to as well. Um, yeah. Inspired me? I don't know. Sometimes I feel, just really feel guilty. <laughs> and that's a, that's, a hard, that's a hard thing, right? It's, it's like I, one, of my, one of my things that I try to do is 
uh, there's this one word, and I've, I've mentioned it here before, this, this word care that keeps running through my mind. And the problem with, with this word care, which is like how I, I try to approach everything, how I approach my students, I try to care. How I approach my, my kids, I try to care. I try to care about how I recycle, I try to care about, but, but caring is really, really tiring. Yes. And, and sometimes I, I don't have the energy. And that's what I, if I had infinite energy, I would just care about everything and I wouldn't sleep and I would, you know, but, but I don't have infinite energy. And so caring becomes really tiring and sometimes I just go to sleep, you know, and it's, and so that's, that's one of the things, uh, it's not that I disagree, you know, it's one of those things I just, I keep bumping into as well, right? Is that I have a finite capacity in some ways to care and, and Christ has an infinite capacity to care. Yeah. And so I want to care about the things that he cares about me caring about. Yeah. 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 So. Last question. Excellent panel. All of your answers have been so helpful and thought provoking. Um, so do any of you have an answer to this final question, which is, uh, given our awareness of all that is wrong with the world, or given all the things that we could care about, uh, how might the Genesis story give us hope? Where do you find hope in the Genesis story or in your, even in your faith? Where's, where does hope lie for you? Anyone? I've got the mic. I'll, I may as well start. Oh. Um, I think for me, it, it, uh, the hope is that I am not it. Right? Like I am not the end of all of these things and I am not the answer to all of the problems in the world. Uh, that that God is in control. That you know, so often I I get I can despair pretty easily. You know, I I, I go by my recycling bin at school and I, I see that people have thrown garbage into it. I look in the garbage and I see that people have thrown recycling into it. I and it's just like wow, you know, it's like and and and, and or or my own laziness sometimes where it's like, oh, should I recycle that? I should, but I'm so close to the garbage can and can it really be recycled anyways? And, you know, or oh, only 10% of our, our recycling gets recycled and no, oh, this earth is falling apart and there's so many social problems in there. I wring my hands about those things. And the hope in it, the whole thing, is that God never wrings his hands. He is never in despair. He is never anxious about these things. That he, he has this, this view of the world, and that though I think uh, he hears the groans of creation, and he hears the groans of the oppressed, and he hears my groans, and he hears your groans, he doesn't wring his hands about those things. He is the hope and the answer to all of those things. And he is over and above all those things. I am not it. I am not the answer. Christ is the answer. And, and I need to always be bringing those things back to him. And so to me, that's the hope that I find in all of this. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, similarly, it was either Rick or Ian who said that God's plan is for everything to be reconciled. And so that's the hope that I live with is that creation, earth, humans, and God will be reconciled and we will have a part to play in that, but that we don't have to figure it out. Yes. 
Um, the best example I can use for myself is probably climate change. Lots of people ask me, like, oh, how do you feel about climate change? Like, what are you doing? What are you, what, what's your opinion? Um, you know, I think it's horrible. Uh, I hate it. But it's also, I'm not overly concerned because I, I know that I have to do, I have to try. I can't, like Dave said, I can't fix everything. I'm not the solution. I have to do what I can with what I've got, like I said before. Um, and so, I, and even if the world falls apart and I die, <laughs> I've got God, right? Um, so there's not, it's not like, I think most people, especially people who don't believe in God, um, you know, this is, this is all I've got. So if, if the world falls to pieces and, and their life ends sooner than they prefer, um, they, they, they don't know what's after that. They, they have nothing. Um, but because I've got God and whatever comes after, then I, I just, I got to do what I can for the people who are here right now. So well said, Thomas. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. So, Thomas, that's a good word for us to end on. I really appreciate each of you and your thoughtfulness and uh, your, just your great insights. So, thank you.